Contrast uncut, yeah you know that's us Where we only speak the real and the real rock with us Where we motivate the people and the politic on success Oh no we ain't DJ Kelly, but they swear we the best Contrast uncut What's happening? It's Contrast Uncut. It's season four. This is my spotlight episode, Bakersfield edition. I want to give a big shout out to Uncle Snoop's Army and Bobby D Presents. I appreciate you, brothers. It's your host, Zylo, aka DJ Juan Dollars, like I won some money. Today, we have a really incredibly dope and legendary special guest. He's from a place I call home that has an abundance of talent. Bakersfield, California. This legendary brother taught us about the liquid spirit, the values of holding on. He took us to the alley, brought us from musical genocide to revival while on his way to Harlem. They gave a real emotion and conviction in his sound and with iconic reminisce of a soulful jazz vibe at its prime. These are a play on some of my favorite records, but you know what, let me get back to this introduction. He's a world-renowned and internationally celebrated singer, songwriter, and Broadway actor with one of the most amazing voices and signature sounds that make him go to artists with over 4 million monthly listeners on Spotify. He's a two-time Grammy Award winner of the Best Jazz Vocal Album. He has earned seven Grammy nominations over his 20-plus illustrious career in the industry with six studio albums and a catalog that have you wanting more, like seconds and thirds, leftovers, and encores. I had personally met this brother when he did a benefit concert, the Unplug at the Fox Theater, and he was a, a full benefit. He gave all the proceeds to the school and a shout out Agape Land Christian Academy and Compassion Christian Center. He has performed at some of the greatest venues in history around the world, from festivals with tens of thousands of people, to Carnegie Hall, to Hollywood Bowl, to Polar Music Prize Ceremony, to Royal Albert Hall with the Queen in attendance. You know, that's how Mr. Porter does it. He has appeared as a regular on BBC night shows and programs to The Tonight Show with Jay Leno to BET's Quincy Jones Tribute to recently making another appearance on the Jimmy Kimmel Live to a late show with Stephen Colbert to Good Morning America. His voice is like a spirit that gets your attention and blocks out everything else. With his latest album, All Rise, that has already earned a prestigious Grammy nomination attached to it in this March 63rd Grammys, for his nomination of Best R&B Album. The brother just goes from genre to genre. It's just like a soulful gumbo pot that you know, it depends on what day, what sound, what instruments are gonna come together. He's gonna lead and direct that we get that, that's, that sauce that we get to just press play on over and over again. And All Rise was one of those albums that was a requirement to listen to during 2020's pandemic, during the wild year of the unknown. And if you don't know who I got on the show by now, it's all good. We get all episode to chop it up with the brilliant mind behind hit after hit after hit. And you know the podcast, The Hang. Gregory Porter, everybody. How you doing, brother? I'm good, man. I'm good, brother. I, I, I need a hype, man. I need a hype, man. And you definitely fit the bill. <laughs> I forgot I did all that stuff. I really... <laughs> That's cool to hear. No, you know... 
personally, your music has got me through so much. And, you know, from tragedy to triumphs, from sweets to the streets, you know, your music is definitely something that sweep you in and absorb you in a way and spit you out there, change your perception on how you should move forward in your thoughts. Yeah. And I just want to make sure I tell you from the beginning, time's the most finite thing we have on this earth. So I got to tell you from the jump how much I appreciate your time for rocking with me, rocking with my viewers and listeners. Right on, man. It's 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 a it's a blessing to be able to to um to be able to to hear and connect with uh, people that listen to your music that have internalized your music. Just what you said about what my music does for you, you know. If, 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 listening to it in triumph and tragedy in a way that's that's what music has been for me mm. and so when i step to the microphone i'm conscious of the unintended consequence that music can be it goes into people's ears and then it, it radiates into the heart and People are listening. We, we, we often think, oh, oh, it's just background music. But it's the background music to your life. And, and, and these things stick. And these, they stick. And so, so I want to say something that just radiates the right way. And uh, I, I'm, I'm conscious of it. I'm thoughtful of it. So, yeah. yeah. Speaking of time, Brother Mr. Porter, what is a normal 24 hours for you, if there is normal? Uh, <laughs> that's just it. Um, in this day and time, that's that's a, there's a, that's a dual question because, you know, 24 hours pre-pandemic could be really something crazy. I could be in three or four countries um, and have taken three flights uh, in that amount of time because um, I do my normal schedule over the last like, 10 years have been about 250 shows a year around the world. And, and, and the bookers for my concerts, sometimes it's not, it's not, it's sometimes it's LA, Germany, Toronto, you know? So it's, I'm really zipping around the world. Right. And so, um, Sometimes sleep is, uh, it's a, the eight hours of sleep is a collection of sleep. It's three hours here, two hours here, and it's in the taxi, it's on the plane, and it's two hours before the show. And that's the way it is. But sometimes, somehow your body gets used to it. It gets used to this deprivation. And in that time, um, on the planes, on the trains, uh, in the taxis, I'm writing. I write from inspiration. I write when it comes to me. I write in the middle of a conversation with a stranger because they said something that sparks or inspires and I, I have to put it down or say it, sing it on my phone. I, I have to catch it when the inspiration happens. And it happens all the time in regular pedestrian meetings, whether it be at McDonald's or at the taco shop or whatever. Bakersfield, you notice I said taco shop, you know, <laughs> that's, 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 that's been serious business for me, but, um, right. <laughs> but, um, I, I realize 
I don't set aside a time to sit down and write. Mm. Not consciously. I do it subconsciously in order to keep it organic. So I find a way to have alone time. So if I'm, if I'm at home with my family, not to disrespect anybody, but I'll just wake up four o'clock in the morning where I know I'll have a block of two or three hours to, you know, in a way kind of like uh, informal meditation, really just think about what it is that I care about, what I love, what's moving me, what's hurting me, what inspires me. Mm. And sometimes if I just sit and think about that thing, the melody will come. Funny thing is about my writing is the melody and the poetry come together. So when I write a song like Take Me to the Alley, which is the alley is Lakeview Avenue here in Bakersfield, California, Cottonwood Road, the road, the alley. My, my mother had a little church on Lakeview Avenue. Yes. And so when I got to thinking about that and thinking about her, um, the melody and poetry came to me just together. Take me to the alley. Take me to the afflicted ones. Take me to the lonely ones that somehow lost their way. Now, now, my mother is in that. My history is in that. Bakersfield is in that. So in that 24 hours, I'm 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 in my head, I'm in my my reverie, I'm in my my memories. Uh, the memories of my family constantly coming up. My, 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 the abuses and the, the good moments of my childhood. I'm putting all of that in, into the music. And it happens every day. Something musical for me happens every day. Whether it makes it to a record, it doesn't matter. But something musical is happening every day. So um, I spend time in, in meditation. I love to, I mean, if, we, if, we, if we're getting down to the nuts and bolts of things, I, 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 when I'm at home, I love, I'm a, I'm a, I've been a chef in, in my life and I love to cook. So I cook for my family. Um, I have a little bit of land around my property. So I, you know, I walk and I do a little, a little gardening. I'm, I'm listening to music a lot, but sometimes as an artist, you, silence is good. Silence is good in order for you to capture what it is that's in your head. If I'm spending all day listening to what somebody else is doing, I can't catch what it is that I hear. So silence is really important. Yeah. You know, you're dropping so many gems from the beginning for songwriters, for people of poetry, for people that just have an itch but don't know how to scratch it. And you're allowing them to clear their mind because that's some of the 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 variables that you have to get in position for your data flow and then yeah. that is something a lot of people have to understand is that hey if you want to execute something in your vision and that's the only way to get it done you got to wake up before everybody else you got to yeah. sacrifice some sleep you got to say hey you know what it's okay to fall asleep at a certain point during the day and get a power yeah. nap. i can stay up till three in the morning and get things done Pop yeah up. yeah yeah so you know, it's interesting. Um, uh, one thing about 
striving for a goal is surrounding yourself around people that can help you meet that goal. Now, I don't mean, you, you could do it in a structured way and, and you could go to a class and you could be very specific about what it is that you're trying to achieve. Or, or you can think of your friendships, uh, cultivate friendships with people that'll help you get to a particular place. Now, I was fortunate enough to have these really cool friendships with people who were, who were, who were in my, uh, uh, in my estimation, geniuses of music, not famous to anyone, but they were, they had been there and done many, many different things. They just had a lot of musical knowledge. And my thing was not to take a class from them. And I, I, you know, I didn't want to take a class. I wanted to hang around them. I wanted to cook lunch, walk in the park, listen to music with them, because I wanted our interaction about music to be organic. I wanted to just like, just like if I was at your house sitting on the couch, as opposed to me teaching you what I know, let's just talk about what I know. Let's just talk about, you know, because that way, that way the university doesn't seem like it's college. It's right. Forced. It, right. It becomes a natural thing. It becomes community. It becomes just this soulful thing. Yes. And that, Doing it that way, I, I, I can say I never went to a music conservatory, but I got this amazing uh, unstructured but structured musical understanding that is filled with culture and soul and family. Speaking of family, I do want to give you your flowers for being a dedicated husband and a dedicated father. So it's definitely not an easy triumph when someone's traveling the world and working 250 days, maybe 300 days out the year, but you definitely find a way where I can see it, the world can see it, that, you know, you definitely need your flowers for being a dedicated father and a dedicated husband. You know, they're, they're in the music. They're in the music. Um, and that keeps, that keeps them that keeps them alive and in me when I'm away from them. So you talk about all these venues that I'm performing at, you know, singing to the queen, <laughs> you know, it was just quite surreal, but I'm singing a song about my son to her, you know, and that if he's not there, that puts him there. I'm singing a song about my mother when I'm at Carnegie Hall that puts her there. And so when my people are in my story that I'm explaining and I'm giving to the world, it, it, it makes me feel like they're there with me. There's a song on the new record, uh, Concord. Uh, I wrote that song uh, three o'clock in the morning, flying to London. And the song is about, I'm, I'm, I really am, do love and really am excited about my career when I travel all over the world. Royal Albert Hall, 
Buckingham Palace, uh, you know, many of the places around the world, that's cool. But the coolest place to me is with my cup of coffee, my son yanking on my arm, you know, my wife telling me that I need to come cook something. <laughs> that's the soulful place. That's the soulful place. And that's what I, you know, in a way I do all of that other stuff to get back to the ground, to get back to my soil. Yeah. With a million miles of odometry and the moon like a goon staring back at me, I'm holding on to this dear earth with love and gravity. The love that keeps me grounded is, 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 is right here in Bakersfield, is, is my people. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, man, it's, 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 it's really is an extraordinary thing. You know, I do want to just say something. I'm sorry to cut, to, to assert myself, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. you know, you share the world with us. And during the process, you thought of a wonderful way to share your family with us as well. And we didn't know that the, the backstory is that that's how you continue to be closer with your family and spirit by saying those words, by saying the love to your mother. And that's such an amazing thing that people got to really connect with because a lot of people want to write, but they don't know what the purpose of what they're writing. A lot of people want to put stuff out, but don't know the intentions of what they're putting out. And when you have such a core base of where the love and nourishment comes from, it's no reason why we're, we're wanting to go down that alley with you, even though we know now it's Martin Luther King Boulevard and you got to be careful <laughs> over there. But we still want to go down that alley because we know we're going to be protected and yeah. in spirit. And, you know, yeah. that, that's definitely a, a composition of what you put into from your brain and what you receive from the universe and in blessings. And you return and put it in such an eclectic way that we're mm -hmm. just hooked and we continue to want more and want more. That's why, you know, it's 70 Grammy nominations in. And we feel like by the time you sit down and say, I'm done making music, you'll probably be at 25 and getting the Lifetime Achievement Award. <laughs> love that love that but um this is one thing that i would say to artists that I, I constantly is renewed in me and that's um every artist wants to be authentic it doesn't matter the genre first of all i love all music hip-hop uh soul, gospel, blues, all of it, even dance music, all of it has its place. Um, you know, when I'm on the dance floor, I don't really want to hear one of my slow songs, you know what I mean? <laughs> it has to be dance music. So, but, but my point is, artists are, want to find authenticity. And the way to find authenticity is to go to what is authentic to you. And so people go to the things that, that give them, like that give everybody an extreme response. What gives everybody? Everybody gives, what, what gives everybody extreme response? Uh, sex, violence, money. money, gold. Drugs. Chains, drugs, diamonds. That's instant. And it's, it's, I'm not saying it's, it's cheap, but you know, it, it, you can catch somebody quick with that. I got them. 
But what did you catch him with? You didn't, that's, that's not, it's not clever. No. So find something clever. To, 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 find, to be clever is really the craft of making music. I think finding what is authentic, if you want to be authentic, find something that moves you authentically. The love that you have, you, people can, people have had tragic experiences with their parents, but, but most times mama is always cool, right? You know, so you can, you can write from, from the love that you have for mama. You can be grandmama too, don't matter. Your home, your hometown, uh, the things that move you, your children, God, uh, uh, soulful justice, uh, love of love of your community. These are all things that that are that are that can catch you and grip you deep in the heart. And if you come from that place of things that that you really deeply love. When you step to the microphone, when you step on the stage, you will never have to lie. It will automatically be authentic. You will never have to lie because you can tell somebody who's faking, you know? <laughs> right, right. You can tell that fresh out of water, you know? They're gonna spit something out that's not gonna make sense. They're gonna be stepping to the left when everybody was receiving it to the right. And you know, sometimes they made a fork in the road and didn't know it was a straightaway. <laughs> right. You ever seen you ever see one of them gangster rappers that really ain't gangster? <laughs> it's just it's just a kind of style for them. It's just like a way to get on the radio. And it's like, mm, I don't believe that. <laughs> hey, that's called false hope. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Right. I got a quote. Cause you know, we're, I've, we're digging where I feel like we're segueing right to my quote. And you know, we're talking about potential because a lot of people don't understand all the potential means it's, it's energy, whether you're gonna use that energy or you're not gonna use that energy. And you know, I feel like you used not all of your potential yet because there's still so much more to come, yeah. but there's so much more. That's why we keep on being hooked to what's next, what's next. And a lot of people don't understand that they have the potential to do things with their talents, but what part are they going to connect to to get the potential out? What are they going to work for? What are they going to walk by faith and not by sight? But let me get to my quote, and then you tell me how this quote relates to you or if it doesn't. Are you ready? All right. You cannot afford to live in potential for the rest of your life. At some point, you have to unleash the potential and make your move. Eric Thomas. Yeah, that's that's um, that's it exactly. There's there's a I felt about myself early in my career, early in my life. When you say potential, there's a thing called a potential energy that is uh, like a, a force that's pressing up against a solid stiff object this is this is potential energy this 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 thing that wants to 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 get away or or, or pressure in a way uh, 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 uh unexploded bomb a a a bullet inside of 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 a gun this is this is in a way a potential uh energy potential explosion 
I felt that way about myself, that I had the ability to have success and ability to, for, for lack of a better word, blow up. Uh, but in those years of potential energy, in those years of potential. The process. The process, the process, the process. I was laying the foundation, mm. having those conversations about music, even just, even sometimes living life, absorbing the pain of that broken heart from mama dying or losing that relationship, remembering that feeling. So when it came time when my fuse touched the flame, I was ready. I was ready. I had something to say. I had, I had my thoughts formed. So this can be thought of as a negative time when, I'm sorry, I lost you a bit. Let me get back to you. I'm here, brother. You you dropping gems right now. You have all thousand percent of my attention. I'm, I'm sorry, bro. I just uh, for some reason my son's games just came up. <laughs> so let me get rid of those. You know what? Uh, shout out Demion. My son does the same thing. I will have updates to YouTube, updates to a game with a, something run or uh the other game is what roblox like roblox i'm right. like i don't know nothing about no v bucks that's not real money that's just that's right. real money but that's not real money that's, that's <laughs> what you think you have that's just their hustle and my son right. looked at me like what do you mean dad it's gonna buy me this outfit for what i want to do and <laughs> it was funny but beautiful that's the way the kids are communicating right now, too, in this time of, of distancing. But what I, what I was going to say was th this moment of, of when, you, when you haven't gotten out there to the people, those moments, you can't feel sorry for yourself. You have to keep working and keep building what it is you think is special. And... Um, and, and, I, and I really felt like an unexploded munition. I, I feel like an unexploded bomb in a way. Um, and I was waiting for the opportunity. And, and when I got the opportunity, there was, however small the explosion was, when I made my first record, Water, Come on. Uh, I, I got my first nomination right out of the gates. And I remember there was a whole bunch of conversation about me not making a record with my own music. They were like, no, you need to, we need to bring in some writers. We need to, uh, you know, you need to do standards. You need to do something that's already established. Even, you know, do a record of, of like R&B in a like jazzy or soulful way. I was like, okay. I, I received that information and I said, yeah. Then I went to the studio and the people that were giving me the money to make the record, I didn't tell them the address to the studio. <laughs> so I had, a, I had a full day to just record whatever I wanted, which was my stuff. 
Creative and they were like, so the second day, I were like, they're like, are you going to give us, you know, the, the address to this? I said, yes, but this was what we did the first day. And they were like, oh, okay. And they're like, I don't know these songs. They're, they're, they're like, yes, my stuff. And it, it, it was, you know, Water, 1960 what? You know, it was my writing. And probably the songs that I'm most identified by. And so sometimes... Sometimes you have to uh, you have to believe in yourself uh, in those moments of potential. Uh, you know, you have to be your biggest cheerleader and, and have a real um, self uh, a belief. Um, self doubt and insecurity is definitely going to come without question. Especially as an artist, as a creator, creator. as a creator. Self-doubt and insecurity is is can be is a thing. It's inevitable. But <laughs> but, but self-belief, which is which is why I love, which is why I love the best of hip hop, because self-belief and 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 the idea that you can take your thing to the top is 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 one of the like most important things in hip hop, you know, from the early days, you know, Curtis, you know, <laughs> Curtis Blow, you know, he's like, you know, he's the number one, I'm the number one MC, you know? And so uh, the idea of believing in yourself at those, at the, at, at the moments that you're just potential is very important. You know, I gotta ask you. I ask every guest in my every guest that comes on the show talking about the entertainment industry. Did the game choose you, or did you choose the game? Ooh, that's a good question. Golly, because it's twofold. At the beginning, I music is chose me since I was a child. Since the very first days of, of, of singing in church, I was like, you know, I became my mother's songster. I, I, I you know, uh, it was the thing in a family of eight children, it's the thing that, that, you know, that gets you a little bit more sauce on your spaghetti, you know what I mean? <laughs> You know, so noodles and it, Mr. Meatball. <laughs> so, um, my mother was dope. She had this thing. She would pull, she would pull you off to the side, and she said, "Gregory, you know, if it wasn't a sin to have a favorite child, you would be my favorite child. But, but don't tell nobody. Don't tell your brothers and sisters." So she had done that for me my whole life. You, Gregory, you know, you're my favorite child. So my mother passes away and we're all sitting in the living room, just talking about her. And she's like, how amazing. And, you know, we, we get to some point where we're just starting to talk about some of the funny things about her. And, and so I, I break out and I say, you know, mom, you know, I know she loved all of y'all, but let me tell you, Mom used to tell me, if it wasn't a sin to have a favorite child, I was her favorite child. And then my sister was like, 
she told me the same thing. <laughs> and then my <laughs> and then my other four brothers, and then everybody chimed in. She told us all we were her favorite child our entire life. We all kept that secret until she passed. I don't know where that story came up and where, where it fits into our story, but I just felt like saying it. You know, you know it's crazy. You no, know, I do that with my children. I tell my son, you're my favorite son. I tell my daughter, you're my favorite daughter. And, <laughs> you know, in return, they're very smart. They say, you're my favorite dad. And it makes me think like, oh, they get the same idea that I'm trying to get to them. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. Oh, you said yes. So the game you, chose you or did you, uh, the music was already choosing you? Yeah, music was choosing me I, and I was in it. But, you know, the other interests come come along. I, I was I, I, you know, after 13, I, I was big and, and, you know, I was, you know, maybe six foot tall. And and yeah, I guess my freshman year, maybe I was 150. So but I was you know, football. Yeah, shout out. Basketball. All, right. And those interests started to overtake the music thing. And I got a football scholarship at San Diego State. And so my self-identity was as an athlete. And then I injured myself. And I'm not an athlete anymore. I couldn't even run without pain in my shoulder. And, you know, so I was like, I'm not an athlete. Mm. And I went back to my original love, which was music. I started, I started going to jam sessions and, and, and immersing myself in music. And at that point, I was pursuing music. I was chasing it. I was choosing it in search of it. I felt like I had something to give. This, it took some time. I felt like I had something to give, something to say, something to sing. And I was trying to connect into the network that could help me get out there. Okay, let me, let me sum this up for everybody. You went from Highland High School, shout out to the Scots, to San Diego State on a football scholarship, and then an injury changed your course of your career, your life. Yeah. And then we're getting to the point now that you're moving to New York, and you're playing chef, and well, you are a chef. Let me get. Yeah. Let me not say. I'm playing, playing chef, really. You <laughs> <laughs> wear different hats. You know, it's all playing a different gig. But yeah. And you know, and then you're doing jazz clubs, and then you know, at, then you make your first record. You know, then then you're also doing Broadway. Like, at what point would you say is your first confirmation that being a singer and a songwriter is what you're supposed to do with your life? Well, this is an interesting thing. Uh, the theater thing came about and it was beautiful. And I was having some success and we were traveling around and doing, doing great things in theater. But the interesting thing about theater is it like it, it, with my union, it kept the insurance paid, it kept like a check coming, but it also time-wise kept me from immersing myself and making a record. Mm. And so it was, it was, it came to a point where I, when I was doing that for some years and it came to a point where I had to say, boom, whether it brings me success or poverty, I have to just focus on making, making a record and making it, having a music career. Um, so 
once I, I settled on doing that, I was in New York and uh, I was doing a little bit of catering and I was a chef at my brother's coffee shop in, in Brooklyn, New York, a place called um, Breadsty in Bedsty, New York. <laughs> Clever. Uh, yeah, amazing, amazing place. It's like the, the, the Black Hub. It, it, it was like a sitcom. Everybody would come in. Uh, we played, my brother played uh, chess with Chad Bozeman every day. I was jealous of their relationship because he wouldn't teach me how to play chess. Um, me and Chad used to talk about trying to, how are we going to get successful? Um, and we, we had this, this funny thing because uh, um, him and myself and my brother, we were always competitive about like, you know, who had the best, who could, who could, who could, uh, who could cap on each other the best, who could talk about each other's shoes the best or whatever, whatever it was. He was an amazing person, but he was in that same place that I was in, that potential place. He was building his acting career. He was constantly talking about writing scripts. At the same time, I was bringing in songs into the coffee shop, talking about them. I was like, I, there was a couple of English teachers that would come into the coffee shop and I would bring them my songs. I was like, what do you think about this? And sometimes they would give me feedback on, on, on some of my songs. just an amazing place, an amazing place to cultivate your art. And um, I was doing that, being a chef and, and going to, to, to jazz clubs at, at night. And then all of a sudden the music overtook anything else I was doing. Went in Marsalis, started to call me for gigs. I started to do gigs. My first jobs I started to do were in Russia. Um, and I kept, I was like going, I went back to Russia about 15 times. I was like, is anybody else going to call me? <laughs> but wow. there was a plan uh, because, you know, th that first tour in, uh, in Russia is where I met my, my wife. Yes. And, um, and, and, you know, in, in her eyes, there was my son and when all that came together, there was the inspiration for more of my songs and more of my story. And um, the music just, it just started to, 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 to grow from there. From, from Russia, I started to tour in the UK and then France and then Germany. And then, and then the records started to come. Um, and, and yeah, and, and so the ball has been rolling for, for quite some time and, and uh, you know, since the pandemic started, this was supposed to be, you know, e even though my years are always very, very busy, this year was going to be really, really busy, crazy travel, crazy venues. Um, but I don't know what it is about this time, but the slowdown and the, in a way, the pause was in some ways necessary as well. I, 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 I don't doubt God. I don't, I don't know his plan, uh, but maybe, I don't know, I don't know. But this pause has been an extraordinary thing. I lost my brother, my closest, you know, the brother that, that had the coffee shop, I lost him. So this, this took COVID, 
Um, and so it's been a very, very difficult time here recently, but it's also been a, a time of real reflection and, and showing love to, to the people that are around you, the most important ones, your, your, your family and your, and your community. So it's, I do, it's been really extraordinary time, yeah. Gregory, I do wanna share a story about Lloyd. So I'm working the Unplug event. Tara has, you know, my wife and I as, uh, we were ushers, but we also had to separate the VIP lanyards that you signed for me, by the way. And, oh, right. uh, so we're doing all of that. And then Lloyd comes in. He has just an amazing abundance of energy. And I'm like, who is this guy? He came right in. He had like, you know, he it's not Bakersfield. And he came in and then he grabbed all the VIP and he was so respectful to everybody. And then he got out of there and came back with a crowd of people. And I was just like, whoa, that's the man. And, you know, next thing I know, we're putting everyone, ushering people to their seats. And it was an amazing, amazing show. And yeah. Yeah, but this is the thing. This is the thing. You say that's not Bakersfield, but everything that I do, every time that I sing, I, I remember you, you you talked about the, the Quincy Jones 85th birthday celebration. Everything from that stage on that night was Bakersfield, understand? My brother's charisma and style come from those thick hand, thick neck preachers that we listen to at St. Paul and St. John and Lily of the Valley and Saints Memorial and, and Compassion Christian. That it, it is this, 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 this confidence and this swagger uh, in a way comes from those, those, those preachers that we idolized when we were young men. Yeah. Wow. wow, no, I did not know that. Yeah, <laughs> so much game and style was already home. That's nostalgia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, now that thing that that we've that core that we've gotten here, it's traveled around and it's picked up influences without question. Brooklyn and Harlem, and now for me, um, these you know European experiences. You know, my son is half Russian, so in a way, I'm part Russian as well. You know what I mean? So I'm. <laughs> Which is, so, which is such like you know for people that don't know, Russia does, it's, it's it's like the Donald Trump era in a way you know without trying to say too much, but it has this real racial tensions in Russia. I had a Russian roommate and he yeah. moved to the states when he was twelve, and then you know his dad. I'm not going too much into him, but you know Russia's crazy, and it's it is it is it's wild it's wild it's wild. But the yeah. voice and the power of your your tone and, and the love that was received from is crazy. And then yeah. in turn, you know, here we are. We have interracial. You know, my wife yeah. is African American. We have beautiful kids. And you know, I come from a history where they're from Michigan and Virginia, and certain things weren't okay. Yeah. And, you know, my father passed away, and I never ever got taught any of that. <laughs> my, yeah. That's when I was four, so I got to grow yeah. up streets and see what real love looks like and it don't have a color yeah yeah russia that you know and and shit america look at what happened yesterday and <sighs> what's going on in society and how we're on a spotlight of what what would happen three four months ago when we were protesting to what happened yesterday and it looks like you know bullies and and you know uh top flight security of the world and they're not filming friday and it was on a tuesday <laughs> Yeah. 
It's crazy, man. It's crazy. It's crazy. Everything you just said was like, it's like, did that really happen? Yep, it did. And it wasn't late night TV. It wasn't. <laughs> that shit was during the day. <laughs> <laughs> it was a reality. And so, and so, as as creative people, as people who are trying to 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 make a change and make things better, we have to take an incident like that, uh, and 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 see how do we make life better? How can we find something out of that? that is, is, is inspiring? Or how do we say something? How do we tell the truth? You know, how, how do we look at that and say, oh, now, now let me pick that apart and tell the truth about it. Now, so, so that's, that's, our, that's our charge. I mean, you know, I know we've been all over the map and talking about everything in this, in this, uh, in this interview, but uh, ultimately, ultimately what I'm trying to do with my craft and my and my gift is not to aggrandize myself it's not to 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 become the greatest whatever if if i can take my talent and if i can touch people and move them closer to to love that's a gift for me and my reward has been that i've taken what my mother has taught me i've taken my optimism and positivity and that has been my success to selling millions of records. I didn't have to change my, I didn't have to change who I am as a person to get to success. When I say all over the world, I, that, there's not a, you know, my globe is back there. There's not a place on the globe I haven't been to tell my story that emanates from Bakersfield. So, I don't know, man. I, I my, my my desire to tell any other artist or, or creative person is to stick to the core of authenticity and 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 love for the for the the best parts of you. If you stick to those things, I, you know, it just something good happens. You know, if you look at yourself in the mirror and see your inequalities and see what you're great at and find ways to balance between the two and exercise more at what you're great at, you'll continue to grow in areas that will make your life a lot more enjoyable. Life is what you make it. And sometimes you got to put that person in the mirror, understand what it takes to get to what you want to see, what other people see. And we go back to that word potential. Yeah. And I feel like it's always somebody that invests an idea or puts someone in a position to reach their dreams. And, you know, from Bakersfield to the whole world, spinning around the globe, you can't miss a spot this brother has not been to. Who do we owe to thank you for investing into your dreams? Uh, Ruth Esther, my mother. I mean, she... You know, we, she had a house on 24th and, and, and B Street, and there was, was, we were in the back room. The house has been torn down, you know, since they've expanded 24th Street, but we were sitting in the back room, and, and this was the last days of her life, and she said, um, she said, Gregory, we were talking about everything. She said, Gregory, don't forget about your music. And 
I was trying to assure her she was having difficult breath difficulty breathing. I was trying to assure her, mom, don't worry. Everything's going to be normal. I'm going to just, you know, 2.5 kids. I'm going to wear brown shoes to work. Don't worry. She was like, be risky. <laughs> be risky. Gamble, son, because I think you have a gift that is, is worthy. She, she said, your gift will make room for you at the table of kings. And, and I was, you know, you're like, and, and at the time I was like, these are, these are sweet things for a mother to say. But she gave me license. From her deathbed, she said, Gregory, don't forget about music. And that gave me license to, to just keep trying that. And she invested in me um, by, you know, constantly just giving me little tidbits of poetry, listening to, to cool, good music. Um, she was a very soulful woman, very, very soulful. When I, when I say, um, you know, God-fearing, but people-loving, almost people-loving to a fault. And, but I love that about her. She, was, she believed in people and, and a lot of her is in my music. And so I'm, I'm thankful. I'm thankful to her. So, you know, I, 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 I have a podcast and I'm, I, and I'm always the one kind of, you know, controlling the, the, the time and, uh, but, but. I, I'll hold you on time. Cause I know we've had like a, a fiasco on time. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's okay. It's been good, but I, I have a, I have another appointment pretty soon, but. Um, okay. I'll start. But it's, to, been amazing. it's been amazing. I'll, I'll start to wrap it up. Uh, all right, boom. All right, so I'm gonna talk about relationships and then I'm gonna dig into uh, what people, I, I'm gonna wrap it up. We got 10 minutes is okay. Five minutes, how much time? Five, yeah. Five? Okay. Mm -hmm. All right, three, two, one. These Bakersfield streets taught me a lot and put a lot of values into my upbringing, you know, from coaches to, to mentors in the street. I was personally, I was born in LA. And then when my father passed away, we moved to Bakersfield and, you know, a lot of different things were brought into my vision. And one of the big things I learned and put my energy into was relationships, business relationships, friendships, some relationships that last forever while other become a loan $5 and end of relationship. Bottom line, relationships will get you places money cannot. What can you tell everyone what relationships meant to you now and throughout your career? Well, the, the people that are still with me now have been with me for many years. My band, for instance, uh, started with a, a, with a relationship. Uh, it started very small. I was working in this essentially uh, a black a jazz dive bar in Harlem. And sometimes we take home 25 bucks at the end of a four hour, uh, you know, show. And it wasn't about the money. It was, it was the relationship. It was the, it was the me, me bringing my, uh, my gospel sound into this environment, into this jazz environment. And it, created this interesting mix. And so the people that were playing for me then are still playing for me in this tiny 50 person capacity club. And that's packed. 
they play with me now at, you know, venues in Holland, 16, 15, 16,000, you know, and up. So those relationships have been very important to me. And I think, I think that, you know, we're on, we're going on 13, 14 years now. The relationship I've had with my producer, Kamal Kenyatta, that's, that's coming up on 30 years, you know, years of friendship, even before the music started, you know? So these relationships have been very important. Um, my brother has been instrumental in, in lifting me up. And, and there's a lyric in, in my song on the new record called Thank You. And then the lyric is rough cut stone. I couldn't polish myself. It had to be done by someone else. Mm. That is my brother. Since, since I was a, a baby, he's been, he was there encouraging me and telling me, you know, he, he was the first one to say to me, Gregory, you, you have the best voice. People need to hear you. Mm. But I didn't believe it. I didn't believe that. He believed it more than I did. And so a rough cut stone, I couldn't polish myself. It had to be done by someone else. That would be him. Um, and a bit more about Bakersfield. In that same song, the last line, the last lyric of the song is, in between Lakeview and Haley Street, that's where the outdoor church would meet. Do, do you know there was an empty dirt lot yeah. That, that was on that corner. And there was a little boy, that would be me. And there was a little girl that used to sit on those splintered benches. And they were singing, there was praise and worship. There was a, and, and it was a PA system that, that would broadcast to the street. And those experiences were really important to me. That, that little girl is Miss Marissa. <laughs> yeah, it was her grandfather. And uh, my mother used to come and preach there sometimes. So those experiences um, and relationships uh, inform who I am today. Wow. One last thing before I close out. My favorite three songs of yours is Holding On. I'm pretty sure the whole world has agreed with me off the Take Me to the Alley album. Uh, Liquid Spirit off Liquid Spirit albums, number two. And then number three, and what's being you know nominated for a Grammy on the All Rise Revival. Yeah. I, I just, you know, real quick, what are your three favorite songs? If you, if you can incite and pick which ones is your favorite, because I know they're all your favorite. You know, just the simplicity and the optimism of No Love Dying. Um, again, the optimism about love in a song like Holding On. And I love the how that song has been transformed in many different genres. There's a dance version, there's a soul version, there's a jazz version, you know, and it, it just keeps on living. It's the idea, but, but the simple idea of love that holds on. I tried to kill it, stomp it out, get rid of it, burn it. It still lives. This idea, optimism of love. Another one of my favorite songs, commercially not as popular, but it means something to me because 
all my thoughts and politics and beliefs and love for humanity is there. When love was king, when love was king. Mm -hmm. So there you go. Thank you, brother. Uh, If you notice my show, it's different, it's unique. You know, they talk about things a certain way and I'm like, okay, I gotta take some heed to how other people do it, but I'm not gonna do it like them. And I'm like, how do I take this same energy and close out the viewers knows it's coming, I'm gonna hit you with it. You got any questions for me? (laughs) What, What is it in hearing other people's story that is inspiring for you? You know, the process. One thing I've always been told is you have to love the process. And if you start to hear so many different blueprints on how someone got from this point to this foundation to now this whole generational wealth of success that they could pass on, there's a whole process to it. And if I could hear and have the listeners hear about the growth in that process and where they had speed bumps and and potholes, then we have succeeded in doing our job and making sure that we pass on the knowledge that we can't, you know, we can't take that to our grave. I'd rather die empty like Jazzy Jeff says and give people the knowledge that will help them succeed. Because not everyone's going to have the same blueprint, not everyone's going to have the same vision, but sometimes you're jumping in a broad, broad ocean and you got to find a way to get yourself to, to a pond so that you can understand your real growth and then see what you can really do and go down that tunnel. Yeah, yeah. All right, man. Yeah. On that note, Contrast of Cut is season four. It's my spotlight episode, Bakersfield edition. You know, I've been really able to say incredibly dope things with the man of the hour, Gregory Porter. Thank you, brother, for dropping gems and dropping diamonds and and letting them shine. You know, if you can't drink the water from the diamond water, then at least (laughs) let some of that shine get you and and eventually you'll come over and and start to understand what's real. Thank you so much, brother. Thank you, bro. Thank you. Appreciate it. Hey, this is Gregory Porter, and you're tuned in to Contrast on Cut. Shout out. To Snoop Dogg. All right. Yeah. This really reminds me of some. Hey. This really reminds me of some tribe called Quest. Hip hop really taught me to give it all I got left. Wu Tang taught us how to beat the projects and tell my story over beats and it could be a project. Look how it all begun. Uh, bum, skibbity, bum. Yeah, grew up on that Nas, on that L, on that pun. Old so when I was young, crisscross, make them jump. Battle rapping for respect, my nigga, this ain't what you want. Can I kick it when I rhyming? Be a legend through Ebonics, was a sticker boy. Felt like sticky. Man, I know you guys can't smell this right now, and I ain't talking about none of that other stuff. I'm talking about some of that good stuff, that smell good stuff. I think it's breakfast. What time is it? It's breakfast time. Make sure you tune in to Contrast Uncut no matter what you're doing. Whether you're eating breakfast, you're smelling good food like I'm smelling, or if you're smelling other stuff, we're good to watch too. Make sure you tune in. Thank you.